welcome to the Style Defines Us podcast. Today, we are here with Delano Sapporo of New Street Advisors Group. New Street Advisors Group focuses on providing financial planning and investment management services to his clients. He worked at Credit Suisse in investment banking before starting his own company. We are so excited to speak with him today and ask lots of financial questions that we think you will find super helpful. I was on his podcast, Your Money, Your Life, recently, so make sure to listen to that as well. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. Um, Delia and Bibi, it's an honor to join you guys here. <laughs> we need all the help we can get. Right. <laughs> now, Credit Suisse, tell us everything. What in yeah. the world is the life of an investment banker? What mm-hmm. kind of hours did you have? What did you do all day? What were your responsibilities? That's a great question. A lot of people ask about that because, as you know, I mean, I, I would say tech and banking are two of the highly sought after um careers for some people um, and there's different allures for for that um, for me banking was something I felt like would challenge me um, you know kind of give me the compensation the acumen that I was looking for when it came to finance um, so after working in Des Moines Iowa in, in corporate banking I found out about investment banking and actually applied to business school because I was the only route that I figured would help me get into banking so I applied to business school went to University of Chicago booth received an offer with Credit Suisse and again like worked there so you asked about kind of, you know, what was the hours like? What was the job day to day? It's kind of what you've heard, right? The hours are, you know, pretty long, right? And it varies from group to group, but as a standard, you work pretty long in banking. So, um, you know, still a lot of my colleagues and peers are in banking, work long hours, but I will say you learn a lot, right? You work on a lot of interesting projects. Um, from day to day, it could range because you will be literally working on multiple projects at a time. So um, you'll have, you know, sit down meetings to catch up on the to-do list, probably, you know, in the mornings or afternoon, depending on when people are all free. I think you just kind of have more to do the more follow-ups. And that's based on clients um, and what clients want and what kind of what, you know, whether pitch or live deals you're working on. So it's really interesting from the financial aspect, from the relate client relationship aspect. Um, but I think, you know, it's something that people definitely find intriguing, the allure of the, the industry. Wow. That's fascinating. It, it really is. It is. And did you learn a lot, a lot of stamina? stamina. Yeah. Did yeah. you learn a, a lot in business school? Yeah, I think business school does a few things. I think a lot of people go because their career changes, right? I was a career switcher in the fact that I was in corporate banking, which is very different from investment banking and Wall Street. So um, I wanted to make a career switch. And business school helped on a couple of uh, platforms for that. One, it was the network, right? So it was the network. I learned a lot from my peers, um, people from all different countries all different places across the world, all different backgrounds. And I got to network and meet these people, become really close friends with a lot of them. Um, so that was a big thing. Then the structured recruiting process. So if you go to one of these schools, you have a structured recruiting process into banking, tech, consulting, um, and it's really structured. Um, and it really allows for you to kind of, you know, have a great shot at some of the, you know, dream companies for people that they want to work at. And so that was, for me, it was the biggest floor and a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was two years of fun. I won't lie to you. It was two years of fun. So, um, getting in, getting in, yeah, getting in is is probably one of more of the hardest parts, but you know, you learn a lot while in it. You have a lot of fun and for a lot of people, you do a lot of travel too. Probably a lot of uh, great connections are made. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of great connections made. Um, alumni is also a big thing. Uh, you see the, the big thing that they measure, a lot of people measure their 
a school choice on is the alumni network. And if it's something that can vote for, you know, career opportunities or, you know, partnering up opportunities. Um, And so Booth, I feel like Chicago Booth has a strong alumni network. And it's something that I've um, definitely tapped into that time to time. And I would hope uh, other people would reach out to me as well. Yeah, that's great. Can you navigate a keyboard without, or the computer without the <laughs> not the mouse? I, am, I admit I am not the biggest keyboard spice shot jockey. I, I think there's a lot of people that out there that are probably better than me. I did, I will say I did increase for about, I don't know if there's a metric I could put on it, but my, but my um, um, increase in kind of the key, a keyboard and, and spreadsheet jockey really, really increased in my time in banking. In banking, then, you know, then in kind of business school, what banking really will teach you on the PowerPoints, the, the spreadsheet, it will really get you, mm. you fine-tuned. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And then tell us about your company. Yeah. How did, did you always want to start a company? What all do you provide for people? Yep. That's a great question, Delia. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So right out of undergrad, I actually kind of looked at being an advisor and I was like, right now is not the time because, you know, I was right out of undergrad. I want a little bit more experience um, in, you know, in finance before I kind of made that leap. So I went and worked in com- commercial credit banking, um, decided to get some experience there, then also went to business school. But in the back of my mind, and I, and I put it in my business school essays, I really, really wanted to have my own business. I really loved personal finance. And I felt being an advisor, you know, had my own business would be that route. And the right opportunity came for me, when I was in investment banking and I was, you know, doing financial coaching on the side, as we spoke about, I was just teaching people literacy, really just, you know, having people meet with me on the weekend through a video chat or whatnot for an hour and teach them different concepts. And so that really spurred my, okay, this is really what I'm passionate about. It's kind of light bulb in my head. And how do I go ahead and make that happen? So <laughs> admittedly, while I work, I was literally just, you know, if there wasn't anything pending, I was kind of researching different ways to make this, you know, dream of, as we both have, and we all have here. Uh, a, rela- a reality when it comes to, you know, being a full-time entrepreneur. So I was reading up on it, making sure I was crossing my eyes and dotting my teeth, um, dotting my teeth across my eyes and just really making sure that I was ready for that leap. And so when the opportunity came, I made that leap. And I think it's been really, you know, really, really great. And I think we're able to, what we're doing is serving, you know, individuals, businesses, families, when it comes to their financial planning and investment management. So my firm is a registered investment advisory firm. So uh, RIA is kind of the short abbreviation. Um, and really we kind of act as, you know, I love to do it because I act as a financial advisor to, you know, a wide range of people. And when it comes to their, you know, investment banking needs, uh, excuse me, their investment planning needs and their financial planning needs, we do that. So it's been a great experience. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. That's great. In terms of cash flow management, we mm-hmm. kind of split our questions into different all the different things that you do with your clients. So one of the biggest issues entrepreneurs have, and we certainly have this issue, is cash flow. And so how do you think that entrepreneurs can manage cash flow better? So basically you have to have cash in the bank. It's not like, oh, in six months, this will maybe come. Like in order Mm -hmm. to have a business, Mm -hmm. you have to have the cash. And we talked about this when I was on your podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that's a great, great question. I think the biggest thing, as you mentioned, Delia, for entrepreneurs is to have that initial outlay of cash that will kind of cover up any startup costs, right? So for any business, um, you will initially have some possible startup costs. And for both of our businesses, I feel like it's kind of low initial startup costs and overhead. So that's kind of both well for us. Um, but, you know, for any entrepreneur out there, you want to have and track and budget for initial startup costs. So if you're working at a job currently, you want to save up and kind of have a fund for, you know, 
your, your, your venture and have that startup cost covered. So once you have the startup cost covered, you're able to go into operation, you want to track a couple things. So the biggest thing is tracking cash flow, as you mentioned, tracking what's coming in, tracking what's coming out. And you can do that through a couple of tools. Um, you know, obviously there's, you know, Intuit and QuickBooks that kind of track some of that stuff. There's personal capital, which tracks, you know, your business, it could track your business credit card or can track, you know, your revenue or things of that nature. I use Wave apps for my invoicing. So this is able to allow you to track what's coming in, what's coming out. And that does a couple of things for you. One, it gives you data points. So you know where your money is going. And when you could have a track and look at where your money is going and what's the ROI on the money that you're spending. So if you see yourself spending a lot on a certain ad and you look back at the data and you're like, wow, what, what did this get me? Did this get me any inbounds? Did this have anything for me? And it really didn't do anything for you. You can maybe lower the amount that you're putting to that or you can allocate it to somewhere else totally somewhere, somewhere else totally uh, different. And another thing is it tracks your revenue as well. So you see what's coming in. You're able to gauge what months are good, where the bumpiness is in your revenue um, and kind of your income. And so that's a very, very important thing. So tracking, tracking everything cash flow wise, whether it's, you know, some sort of online tool, whether it's personal capital, Mint, or QuickBooks, um, or a spreadsheet of your own, it's probably best. And also WaveApps is another one that I'd plug um, as well. Okay, well, that's what I had a question about for sure. Uh, the Which one of those apps is the best? Because I was going to start using QuickBooks for us, mm -hmm. but do you think, uh, and I had used Mint before where you mm -hmm. screenshot your receipts and everything, but I, I want to make sure since we are working together remotely, what is mm -hmm. the easiest app that we can, you know, utilize the mm -hmm. most seamlessly? That makes That's sense. That's great. That's a great way. Yeah, you, you're pretty much wondering what's best, especially if it's seamless and has the best functionality. Mm -hmm. um, I use Waves for my invoicing and it tracks a lot of stuff for me. It even tracks the business credit card. So I can vouch for Waves on the ease of, you know, invoicing, um, different things. I've heard a lot, obviously, like you said, QuickBooks. I think that's also probably the most used one. Um, QuickBooks is definitely probably the most utilized. And probably, so that leads to probably having the best integration with other apps. Like, like you can actually have your, so my firm uses Charles Schwab for, you know, accounts uh, on the back end. And so mm -hmm. all, all business owners can link up their QuickBooks to Charles Schwab so it can seamlessly track stuff. So if I have, a, I have clients with business accounts, they're able to track things uh, through there. So I think those two are probably two I can vouch for. Obviously, okay. I'm, a, I'm a personal finance. My personal capital is great. Um, Mint is also good. Um, but like you said, we want things as far as, as being business owners, we want things to be really easy and seamless. And I think, you know, that's the goal. And those two I've definitely heard great things about. Okay. And you Thank said you. wave, W-A-V-E, like the ocean? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then ROI, as everyone probably knows, but just in case, return on investment. So, yes. yes, anytime we have, what are those called? Not an abbreviation. If there's three letters for something. Ah, an acronym, yes. An acronym. Let's spell it out. And then yeah. also, if you're talking about an app or a website or something, let's also spell that out just in case. Right. That's no one fair. can ever understand what I'm saying. So I always, <laughs> I always have to spell it out for people. For me, for sure. Okay. And then do you want to ask about budgets, baby? Do you have a good budget? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting when you're starting up a com company about budget. But the questions I have are like, when do you, people always say, are you giving, are you paying yourself? You know, mm -hmm. what, what point do you pay yourself and how much of a percentage of what you're bringing in and what you're spending and things like that? How do you come up with a formula for that? That's a great question. I think, 
you know, it, it's really dependent on one, the business, two, what your monthly personal expenses are. So, you know, from what I've seen with clients, you know, one client's paying himself, you know, a certain amount a month because he's going to obviously pay, you know, rent, food, mm-hmm. you know, basic expenditures, and also put away a little bit in savings. So one, it depends on when you feel stable in the business. So mm-hmm. making sure that, you know, you're at a place where you're stable, but you're not using, you know, all your cash flow for growth or all your cash flow to cover, you know, expenses. So you guys mm-hmm. place where revenue and your margins are at a place where you feel comfortable. And that's probably the time where you're sitting down with your, you know, your group, your team or your advisor to figure, figure out, you know, okay, how much should I pay myself? And then it just looks at your, you know, your personal expenses. Then you just have to take a look at, you know, your bare minimum personal expenses. Sure. And, and cause you're still growing, you're still growing the, the firm and the company and the business. So right. it's really kind of based on what that individual, you know, person's uh, monthly expenses. And yeah, I think that's the best way to kind of look at it. Okay. Do you have, for people that are starting businesses, what is the average, like, what can they think, you know, what, like how many years, how many months, how many, like on, on the average, it takes a company so-and-so years, you know, you hear three, you hear five, mm-hmm. you hear, do you think it's really more individualized than that? Or do you have any advice yeah. for people like just kind of count on it's going to yeah. take at least blank years oh yeah i think it's so different now with you know the internet the age that we live in social media so it doesn't take as long as it used to i feel like the businesses to get to scale right because overhead is a lot lower now we can do things a lot faster we can do things with a lot less you know sure use an app exactly you use app we can use you can you know use efficient technology so um that's I think overall, when you come to the technology, that's changing. If you're talking about standard industries, like restaurant industries or something of that nature, or even like some like big box retailers or stuff like that, obviously that's going to take, or opening up a shop, that's going to take a little bit different scale in time, I would feel like. Um, but we're talking about, you know, doing things where we have lower head, we're working straight off our computer, where we're consulting with people, we're doing things that, you know, bring value. Uh, but also has, you know, a low overhead. It, it, it takes, it takes, it could be quicker scale. But I do think you still need to, be prepared for a year or two of, of consistent grind um, and maybe paying yourself less um, before, you know, you see yourself at a place where you, you know, you're a lot more comfortable. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds good to me. Good advice. Mm. Yeah, thank you. And then, so in terms of a budget, this could be an entrepreneur or a working person. I mean, you know, you're working, Someone, but working, working in corporate. corporate. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about budget. So like necessities versus fun versus saving. Are there Mm -hmm. any helpful apps for budgeting? Yes. So I actually send clients like, so so people are different, right? Like I'm actually a guy I like to see my budget seamlessly through um, technology. So personal capital, um, that is personal capital. um, That is an app that I've used um, for, you know, budgeting, right? It links up, actually integrates and links up all your accounts. So you you'd safely and securely put up your your you know your debit card, whatever you're using, whatever your accounts, whatever accounts you have for investment savings. It syncs it up so you can see kind of your net worth over time. So it lets you see you know in plain good graphic. It sees how your network's changing. It shows you breakdown of your expenses. It shows you your income. It shows you a really good pie chart and different things you can see. So personal capital is what I've used um, in the past, and I also you know I point my clients to that, and I also point my clients to just a spreadsheet. I, have. I don't actually like to use spreadsheet less, less going in there and just kind of having everything done easier. Um, but, you know, some people are 
you know, type it out, see what they're spending, go back through their expenses, go back through Mint and type it out on a spreadsheet and mm-hmm. see. So there's also spreadsheets one that I, I, I advocate for as well. And then as far as the breakdown, you know, you'll hear different things about you only use 30% of your, of your salary for, you know, rent or whatever, or keep your living expense low. I definitely believe in keeping like your living expense low because at the end of the day, you know, what you bring in and, you know, what comes out that the rest is left is what you have to save. So whatever right. avenue people get to having a net number to save is the best way for them. That's totally fine. I don't advocate versus, you know, yeah. having no leisure expenses or don't having coffee. I think that stuff is like not conducive. I think it's just, you know, being smart. If you have joys in life, um, you, you know, spend for those joys. But also remember, at the end of the day, you are, you know, wanting to retire. You want to have a solid plan. You want to have a cushion. You want to live comfortably. You want to provide for your family. Um, different things. So you want to make sure to think about that and have um, at the end of every month, you should have some money that you're putting away for that, that rainy day fund and, and pass that for, you know, retirement funds. That's great advice. Great advice. Okay. Now retirement planning, that is perfect because you were just mentioning that. So mm-hmm. how is it that we should be planning for retirement and what is retirement going to look like when we are older? I think yeah. it's going to change. That's, that's a great question. Um, it's going, so I think what I want to think I was asked for is starting early. So um, big thing for everyone to start early, like whether it's, you know, obviously you may have an employer sponsored plan. Um, so you, you know, contribute to that. If you have more extra, you contribute to a Roth or a traditional Roth, meaning um, an individual retirement account after tax or a traditional IRA um, account, which is uh, tax deductible. Um, so contribute to those to retirement accounts uh, in addition to your employer-sponsored 401k or 403b, whatever you have, um, those are always good things to do. And starting early, so, you know, whether someone's, you know, millennium, Gen Z, whatever generation you are, it's always good. It's never too late, and it's never too early to kind of get started. Um, so that's kind of one thing I advocate for uh, on that. And how is it going to look? I think, you know, it's going to be less reliant on it. If you already see it now, there's not really very many pensions or anything out there that, you know, companies used to provide. So it could be relying on people like ourselves, one, becoming literate on what they need to do, and then also advisors like myself hoping to do a good job and to help as many people as possible when it comes to their retirement planning. So it's really going to be based on, you know, what we do now because there's not going to be as much, if I would venture to guess, as much kind of, you know, company or, you know, government intervention when it comes to retirement plans. It's going to be based on the individual person and family that, kind of takes the mantle for themselves. So that, that lends to people getting more literacy or, and or advisors also trying to help as many people as possible get up, get set up for the future. Oh my goodness. Well, I just had to create an individual 401k and I had to choose between that and IRA and all these different things. And it was very challenging to read the documents. So tell me what are some things that people should be thinking about when they choose an IRA versus a 401k and what the heck is Roth? Who is this Roth? And where did this name come from? I don't understand. That's a great question. So I'm assuming that you did the I-401k just being as um, kind of a self-employed individual, so um, which it makes 100% sense with a different one. And, and the SEP IRA is also for, you know, self-employed individuals, um, which can also be uh, useful and it can contribute up to 55000 on an annual basis, um, which is a large, 
you know, amount that could be tax deductible that's tax deductible as well. So um, when you talk about traditional, which you kind of touched on earlier, traditional versus the Roth. So the traditional um, individual retirement pl- uh, uh, account is, you know, contributions that are made with the four tax. So it's the, those contributions are tax deductible for you at that current time, right? And the Roth was created by, and I actually heard this out of like a lot of books. I didn't, I just knew the name Roth IRA and what it meant, but I didn't know that it was created by um, a senator. Um, he, the, uh, the tax uh, act got named after him. So he created it in 1997 or put forth the, the, the act in 1997. And, and his name was Senator William Roth. Um, and wow. so that's why it's named the Roth IRA. And this is an after tax. Um, uh, contribution, which has, they both have, you know, 6,500 as of currently um, a contribution limit on an annual basis. And so the Roth IRA actually has um, a limit based on your income. So there's a breakdown of the chart. So I wouldn't venture to kind of go off memory, but there's a breakdown of, you know, what limits, you know, if you make over a certain amount, you can't contribute to Roth. You can still contribute to a traditional IRA, uh, but the Roth has income limits. But it's still both very, they both function the same as in, it's a great way to save for retirement. It's a great way to stash away money and kind of let it grow, uh, whether you're using an advisor to do that or whether you're kind of self-directing it. Um, it's a great way to do that. And I think a lot of people find that very useful. There's also other ways, like you mentioned, the I-401k, the I-401k, or the step IRA, or, you know, if you're a small business owner, you can set up, you know, a simple IRA. So that's for companies less than 100 or business owners with less than 100 employees. They can set up, you know, a kind of a employee plan, a simple IRA. So, um, I have companies that have set that up for as well. So it's really, really, um, you know, advantageous. And these, these accounts are really, you know, useful to get people. I think the government, you know, impetus for it is just to get people to think about retirement and not like to play, like as we're seeing now, to not have to rely on different things because um, it's making sure that people are able to save uh, for, the, for themselves. Cool. If I say to myself, I want to invest in stocks, how mm-hmm. do I go about that? That's a great question. I keep saying that's a great question, but these are all great <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, um, the biggest thing is, you know, before you do it, everyone like research, obviously like research, understand a little bit whether it's talking to an advisor. Um, I advocate for that obviously as being one. Um, but yeah, do a little bit of research. So that could mean, you know, research that I can give um, to different areas like nerd wallets is a good place to find a wide range of basic knowledge and there's books also that could be read, but yeah, do a little bit of research. And so when you do say, okay, I've done a little bit of research, I understand kind of the basics, the foundation, then you want to kind of create an account, right? So my company custodian is Charles Schwab. So I advocate for creating an account on Charles Schwab or a lot of people our age would do Robinhood or, or some, some of those natures. Robinhood was actually, um, and so all these, these companies I mentioned are brokers where they facilitate the buying and selling of securities um, for individuals for retail uh, customers like ourselves. Um, and so these companies do that. There's a lot of big names out there, um, but the two I mentioned are, are two of the big names as well. Um, and so if you make an account, which usually takes five minutes, you're able to, okay, you know, you could do actually do paper trading. So paper trading is called, it's paper trading because it's called using, and they call it fake money pretty much. Like essentially trading paper money um, and just getting a little bit of sense of how, you know, investing works. So if someone's like really, really uncomfortable, because if you, if I, when I talk to people, I find that some people just buy a little bit, you know, weary of different things in the market. So you could do that as well to even warm yourself up further. And then when you're ready, make an account. And I say experience is the best teacher when it comes to this. So one, research before you invest, obviously. 
um, do your own research, but then when you make those decisions, kind of see what happens. Why is different things moving? What's going on in on geopolitical front? What's going on in the company front that's making, um, you know, whether it's a, a single name stock or an ETF exchange trade fund, um, what's making that go up or down during the, you know, certain periods. But you don't want to kind of, you know, I don't advocate for, you know, especially for new investors to do any sort of day trading or any of that things. You really want to kind of invest for long term, but you definitely want to kind of make sure you do some research prior to. So what did you say made well as something to look into? Oh, excuse me. Oh, oh I think I said nerd wallet. Oh, nerd wallet. Okay. Yeah. So nerd wallet, explain what that is a little bit more. Yeah. Nerd wallet is a site that essentially acts as a big um, resource for anything personal finance. So whether it's, you know, the top best debit cards to have or the top brokerage Okay. Firms, brokerage firms, meaning, you know, places you can buy and sell security. So NerdWallet acts, acts as a very good personal finance resource. They have blogs, they have writings, like how do you buy a house? They literally have any kind of question you have when it comes to personal finance. NerdWallet is very, very good at being succinct and, and answering those questions in a nice, you know, resource and packaged way. I also advocate if you're, you know, someone that's an advisor doing that of that nature. Or if me, you can ask me any question you want if you're listening um, reach out to me uh, as well. Awesome. And then we mentioned the ETFs, the exchange traded funds. So what mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, that literally acts as a basket of, of stocks or securities. Um, and the reason for it is for more diversification. So a lot of people, you, you may know that, you know, when you diversify, you spread out your risk when it comes to investing. So an ETF there's a great job of allowing you to do that in kind of a, a package fund. So like if you, you know, search any ETF, like uh, the ticker symbol, I don't know if people are familiar with ticker symbols, but a ticker symbol is a quick way to find a security. You type in the uh, four, three, four, you know, letter code, and that allows you to search and, and find each company or ETF when you're looking at, say, Yahoo Finance is another great resource. Um, that allows you to track, you know, the history of that, that certain security or fund, um, how it's trading that day, what the price is, research reports, anything you can really find by using that ticker symbol. So an exchange trade fund, you know, it was created, I, I venture to guess when it was, but it was created to really diversify and, and allow people to have more diversification. The ETF tracks a certain index. So if you look at IUSG, if any people are listening, they look at IUSG, uh, which is the iShares Russell 300 Growth Index. And so that actually tracks the S&P um, kind of growth companies. So if you look at the S&P, which people are maybe familiar with, or if they're not, it's a certain index that, um, you know, is, is a very popular one. It's the Dow Jones, S&P, and NASDAQ. This ETF was created to track that. So you could probably see a very easy correlation to this ETF and the S&P. So they were created to track different things. You can find an ETF that track, like, retail companies. You can try find ETFs that track cannabis companies. You can find ETFs that track a lot of different things out there, but it gives people diversification because it has multiple companies in one. So this IUS, IUSG ETF has um, like Microsoft, Apple, Netflix, they all have, they, they, it holds the shares, it holds shares of all of them in one package kind of security product. So if you're interested in looking up, let's say, you know, Exxon or Coca-Cola or whatever, I know there's mm. old stocks, old school stocks, but yeah. find that ticker, yeah, yeah. The abbreviation for them, how did you just Google it? Yeah, great question. Yep, you would just Google it. So if you're on Yahoo Finance, I advocate for, you know, another, you know, great place to look up something Yahoo Finance. And so if you literally just type in the search bar, if you're on Yahoo Finance, like Coca-Cola, 
um, it will pop up and the ticker symbol would be would be right there. So um, and, and that's a, another way to do that or just, you know, and once you, you know, get more familiar with, you know, different things, you'll be able to see it. So Apple is AAPL. So you'll be able to yeah. see different ones um, and it has such a wealth of resources. So Yahoo Finance is another okay. great um, resource for people. There's a myriad of them, but yeah, that ticker symbol acts as a quick way for people to identify, you know, the company's uh, public company. Okay, great. And do you feel we talked about which companies you, how would you figure out which ones you wanted to invest in? Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest thing is research, right? There are advisors like myself. Um, if they're registered people like myself, they can provide you recommendations um, based on their research. So, you know, obviously if I have a client, I look at their, you know, investment objectives, um, their investment horizon, um, their risk tolerance, because everyone has a different risk tolerance. Some people are like, hey, I want you to really, you know, be, you can be a little bit more aggressive. Some people are like, hey, I really just don't know much about markets. It's like, just kind of be not aggressive and just have, you know, something mm -hmm. that, you know, so it's definitely based on a myriad of things. But if you're kind of DIY or do-it-yourself person, you definitely want to do research um, to the companies. Um, there's no one way to go about it. Like, you, you can never, someone can ever say, this is exactly how you find out what companies to invest in because no one on this place here, you know, barring maybe, you know, Warren Buffett can really tell you what to be invested in. <laughs> but other than that, you kind of really just, you know, do some research, um, talk to an advisor or registered individual that is specializing and competent based on helping people do that and really work off that. But I really think the more experienced people that have clients I'm working with, you know, the more they understand it, um, the more they see things going, they really kind of find a liking to it and really enjoy it. So mm -hmm. it's really, really um, something that I advocate. People do if they, if, they, if they have a liking for it. And then if someone wanted to keep up to date, how could someone understand or know about what's going on in the stock market? Yeah, yeah, I think, Big thing is like having a, a place like you go to every morning to read about the market. So there's so many, but I, I'll just name a few. So I, we mentioned Yahoo Finance. That's a great place. CNBC, like download if you're listening and you're really interested, download the CNBC app, download the Yahoo Finance app. The CNBC app every day at 4 p.m. Eastern will give you a market update about where the Dow or the S&P or the NASDAQ was and what was kind of the catalyst. It gives like a short two-sentence thing. Um, and so that's like, if you get that notification every day and you read it, you'll be like, that's just right there, you're learning daily about, okay, this happened this day, that's why the dollar was up, that's why the dollar was down. So that's a big um, one to look at. Yahoo Finance is a great place to do that as well. There's also really cool, um, you know, blogs slash newsletters, I'll say. Um, and one of them is like Robinhood Snacks. So Robinhood um, bought a company. You, 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 sorry, you've heard of it? I listen to their podcast every day. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So they do a lot. They do a brief like newsletter every morning. It, does, it covers a lot of things, but it does cover the market update. And it's brief. It's easy to, for people to digest and it's easy to read. Um, and I think that's also Morning Brew is another company that does the same thing. Um, and they have also five. So yeah, those are two quicker, you know, they give you kind of brief newsletter updates on the markets uh, for the past, the, the past day. Uh, but it's just continue to read, like read whether it's, you know, articles, these kind of sites I mentioned, um, books, you know, you know, that's how I kind of got my start is, you know, in undergrad, just, you know, reading a lot about the stuff and it really just be kind of soaking in more information and understand more. It's really, really helpful. Amazing. What are some fun financial terms that you think we should know about? <laughs> <laughs> that's 
a good question. You mentioned PE last time, so the price to earnings multiple. Um, excuse me, on my podcast, you mentioned PE, which is, you know, I think something that people should um, be aware of. Um, it's just the price of the certain, you know, security or stock um, over um, the earnings um, that the stock, that the company is providing. So that net income, that earnings number, that is the is the is the bottom of the, the divider and provides the line and also the price is above. So that's one thing. I would say market capitalization is is also a good one to kind of know. That's just the total value of the company. So it's just the shares of of the stock, um, the total value of that company based on the shares of the stock and the price. Uh, so the shares outstanding meaning the shares that you know anyone kind of outstanding owns, whether it's me, you or any retail customer or anyone kind of owns that are outstanding for the company. Um, times by that price that gives you the value of the company. So I think the multi-value company we'd have to double check. I feel like it's Apple right now. I could be could be wrong. Um, yeah, that but that's kind of what, how, what you hear about you know the value of companies rising. It's, it's based on that market cap number. Um, that that those are kind of two. Those would be two that I would I would suggest kind of learning. Those are great. Thank you. And that leads perfectly into companies valuation. So. You know, you hear a lot of times this company is worth $38 billion or $3 billion or whatever. And so that doesn't mean that they have $38 billion in the bank, I don't think. It's more about, I think, future projections and potential and how much money they've raised. So tell us about the, how the valuation process works. Yes. Yeah, so when it comes to the private companies, it's a little different. Whereas, as you mentioned, it's based on, so if, they, if a company had raised a certain round, so like if they had raised money from investors, um, their valuation is based on that last round of, that they just raised. So if a company raised, they sold a certain percent of the company for X amount of dollars, you back that out and you find out what the, the kind of the current value of the company is. This is for private companies that do obviously private raises uh, via VC or, or angel investing. So that's kind of the, the private landscape. Um, when it comes to the public market, as you mentioned, it's not based on like the dollars amounts to the bank. It's based on that market cap number as we discussed. That's basically the, the general rule of how you find the, you know, public companies, you know, valuation. But yeah, it definitely obviously it fluctuates. Um, if companies, you know, if a company were to have, you know, something happen and, and a, or a good thing happen, a positive thing happen and the stock price rises, that means the market cap is, you know, going up and that means their valuation is going up. Um, and the private market, it's a little bit more nuanced. It's based on what an individual or an investor is willing to pay. If someone thinks sees a value in a company and they want to buy shares in, in the private market, um, it's not based on like a whole public buying and selling. It's based on one or two or investors thought on that company. That that has that's why the private market is a little bit different and nuanced than you know the public market, where the public market has a lot more data, information, um, and, and changing of hands there. So yeah, different nuances for that that public versus private. Um, company valuations. Debt and student loan analysis. So mm -hmm. if you are someone with student loans, how can you go about living your life, but also pay back those loans? Yeah. I, you think the first thing to realize is, you know, when you take on student loans, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I run across people that are so burdened by it. And I understand it. It can be sometimes a huge number. You're like, I'm never going to pay that off. But you made an investment in yourself. And a lot of times, that leads to what might be a better job, a better career, a different career, something that makes you happier. So one thing you have to realize is that you made an investment in yourself, which is a smart move, um, and, and to, to rest on that. 
then you do need, you want to set up a plan, right? Whether it's, you know, I'm going to consolidate through a couple of um, consolidation firms that, you know, when it comes to student loans, they're like Ernest, which is one of them. So Ernest is E-A-R-N-E-S-T. And Ernest is, you know, a tech kind of enabled FinTech um, student loan refinancing company. That's, you know, what I use. Um, I think it's a great way to refinance and get kind of lower rates and really have all your kind of student loans consolidated and to be able to tack it, you know, and they offer automatic payments. The big thing is to be making payments, feel comfortable with the payments you're making um, and make sure that you are, you know, set up. You can work with an advisor to set up kind of a plan for that. Um, but I think you can still live your life. I don't think, I don't subscribe to the, to the, to the teachings of some people that say, you know, you only pay off debt before you invest. I think you can do both. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty much a wash. But if you even look at, you know, some of what the market returns have been giving, um, it, it makes sense to invest and pay off loans. You can do a 50-50, 60-40 strategy, but you should definitely be paying it off and being, you know, diligent about that and not kind of and, and working with a plan to have those paid off. But it does not mean you can't live your life and that it definitely, it definitely means that, you know, you can still, you know, live your life as well. Okay, good. And now we're talking taxes. So what does writing things off mean? Oh, I'll just write it off. My <laughs> haircut or, oh, we had a business meeting. That doesn't mean that at the end of the year, you're going to get a check back for all of those things you wrote off. So what is <laughs> Yeah, no. So yeah, when you are writing those, you know, things off, um, it allows for, you know, at the end of the year, you can either, you know, have that standard deduction or do the itemized deduction, which as you mentioned, when you have like, again, if you attract everything correctly, you have all your receipts, you can write off um, certain expenses and that, that tax deduction, that actually lowers your taxable income. So when people are writing things off, all it essentially does is lower your taxable income, uh, which means you pay less taxes. Obviously you have lower income, it means you pay less taxes. So when people are, you know, looking for, you know, ways to write things off, it's looking for ways to lower their income in that certain year, uh, which means that whatever they owe or whatever they get back. So it's either whatever you owe the government at the end of the year is going to be lower amounts or whatever you're you know, supposed to get back will be higher about whatever. That's what they're looking for in that situation is when you're writing things off, you're pretty much lowering your taxable income. You're saying, hey, this is an expense for me. I had this is what I made, but this is, this is an expense. So I'm writing that off. Um, that's deducting your taxable income because you had that expense. So that's pretty much what it means. If you mentioned it's not getting a check um, for that back on the back end, but you know, when you kind of break down the numbers and do some of the calculations, it could mean that you lower your taxable income, which could mean, you know, paying less taxes on the back end. Great question. This is not, this is, wasn't a planned question, but if there is someone, a young person who has gotten into credit card debt, let's say they have two or three credit cards that they're paying on, should they consolidate that into some account where they're just paying one hmm. charge a month? Yeah. Yeah. So that depends. I we have to look at a couple things. When I do the consolidation or look at it, I'm looking at, am I getting a lower rate? Right. Uh, that's something I didn't spell out earlier, but the biggest thing you want to do is not just the consolidation because it's like easy to track and it's all in one place, but you want to have a lower interest expense uh, interest uh, on whatever it is. So a lot of the firms that do consolidations tech technically do give lower interest because they're able to, the way their firm is set up, if it's a refinancing firm, their business model is set up on, okay, we'll take on these, certain debts from other people, but we'll charge a lower amount for the interest because our business model is set up where we can do that. So like, like um, SoFi or Earnest, they do student refinancing because they're tech enabled and they have low overhead for so their business model is that they're able to charge a lower interest rate. So for an individual that has credit card debt, if you're going to consolidate, 
make sure it makes sense as far as the rates, the interest rates. Um, and then, you know, if it's all organized in one place, that could be good. But yeah, if you have like multiple credit cards and other different places and you find a place that will refinance for a lower rate, there, there should be places out there that do that. Um, that, that might make sense, but it's not always the best decision unless it's kind of giving you a better rate uh, for all those, um, mm-hmm. all those cards. Thank you. Good advice. And then what about expensing food for business meetings? Didn't it change with the new tax code where you could only write it off for one person? Yeah. So my understanding, because that was a good question, is, you know, you can deduct 50% of the meal um, beverage tax as a business expense. So um, from the t- via the tax code. So, um, and that applies if they're ordering necessary. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's actually different things I was actually thinking of. Like, I actually go on a lot of coffee meetings. I wonder, you know, what, what I can do with that as well. So um, it, it is more like 50%, um, you know, of a business, of a business and personal expense for business, uh, for meal and, and beverage expense for business. Um, as far as the individual, I'm not aware of that. Um, but I could, I think that's definitely something to be looked into. Well, yeah, no, it's probably that. I just made that up. And then what about any tips for tax write-offs or any tax tips for entrepreneurs? Yeah. One thing I would say, uh, number one, track and be organized. So track everything, um, how's everything. If you're using some of these TurboTax or Wave or whatever, you should have everything like already kind of built in. So at the end of the year, you can go over it. Um, so that would be good. Um, find a tax person, a CPA that you trust. Um, you know, as someone that you can work with on those things. And there's, you know, a lot of, you could ask, you know, a lot of, you know, good business owners, um, you know, that have one that you can, hey, can you refer me to someone that you, you know, trust to do that? And that would be really a, a beneficial thing. And if you vet them out, ask them questions, uh, make sure that they're kind of understanding. Because, like, taxes is very intricate, right? And it can be very intricate to understand, especially if you're a business owner. Like, you want to have someone that really understands the code, the language, and doing right by you. And then keep learning. So if you're doing financial literacy, why not do tax literacy to understand? Uh, one of the clients I work with is always asking great questions, but you know she's actually also asking her tax person some good questions and understanding, you know, as a business owner, what does this mean for me or what does this mean on this side? So always ask questions, keep learning. You can go to a few people and try to find out what's best for you. But I think those would be the three three things I would say. Amazing. And then how can regular people without a background in finance get the basics down in terms of personal finance, accounting, or retirement? Got it. Great question. What I'm going to say is so simple, Delia. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Uh, So Delano Sapporo, so that's D-E-L-A-N-O, last name S-A-P is in Peter, O-R-U. So one, you could just shoot me a message. My email is Delano at newstreetadvisorsgroup.com. So shoot me a message, um, shoot me an email. I'm always down to ask, answer questions, talk to people. Uh, I actually really, really enjoy talking about it. I probably talk about it too much. Um, it could be annoying for people around me. So, so send me a message, talk to me. But I think the other way is, you know, finding, uh, starting with a good book. I mean, everyone can start with a book or a podcast. You know, I also have my podcast coming out very shortly. So start with a good book or podcast um, that really just, kind of break things down and a couple books. I mean, everyone's heard of rich dad, poor dad, which I think is good. That's a good starting point. Um, I also read one like in undergrad and I, it might be outdated. I need to read it again, but it was how to be richer, smarter, and better looking than your parents by Zach Bizonet. Um, and so that is yeah, funny name, but it was really cool to understand. Like for me, that one broke down a lot of things really, really well for me. I was like, Oh wait, this is like 
these concepts were so simple yet so you know they were so like intuitive i was like wow this really makes sense to me so a couple of a good book is always a good place to start somebody you trust um, is a good place to start and then also you know you know i feel like you ask me any questions i'd love to answer those questions for you amazing and then for all of our business owners out there what are some financial things to keep in mind when starting or having a business? Yep. One thing I would say we talked about a little bit earlier is the startup cost. Now those things have gotten a little bit lower with the advent of great technologies and apps and it's also media that is lower, but still keep in mind any startup costs you would have to do. Next thing would be like to kind of register. I think everyone kind of knows the basics of registering for business creation, but you know, register, kind of keep up on up above board for any of those type of things. Uh, make sure that you're on the up and up when it comes to that. So those would be the two big things I would kind of say. But, you know, try to talk to other entrepreneurs. Like, I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, being someone that's a full-time entrepreneur or, or you know, do a part-time, do something outside, it can be tough, but it's, it's, you know, you're chasing a passion, you're chasing a dream, um, and, and try to get a tight-knit group of people that are with you on that and can help you and kind of guide you. And you can also figure things out together. Um, I think that would be good. It's not a bad idea to, you know, talk to someone that's in finance or talk to financial person to help you with that. Because I feel like as an entrepreneur, you're dealing with so much of the business the operations, the growth, um, that the finance can kind of slip through the cracks. And that's something that you don't want to happen. But those would be kind of the big, the big tips I would uh, recommend. How do you know when it's time to hire an employee to help you? Oh, yeah, I think... That would be, you know, for me, I, I have not hired anyone yet. And I, and I have looked, I went looking into maybe doing some assistant or part-time stuff or uh, a kind of admin duties. But the big thing I would say is, you know, when your growth to kind of, when your growth and the, the, the things that you have to get done has, you know, really surpassed and kind of put you at a place where you're underwater. That means your growth, meaning you've had the revenue, you have the growth and you're projecting to have more. Do you have more product coming in? Do you have more inquiries coming in? Then maybe you decide, okay, do I need to get someone 10 at night? Do I need to get someone to work per hour, to work per whatever task or something like that? There's a lot of, you know, ability to do that via, you know, different um, apps and websites. They have someone do some stuff per hour, per task. Um, and then, yeah, maybe you do need to add someone part-time or something of that nature. Because, yeah, you don't want to be in a situation where you have so much stuff to do um, and you can't get it done because you don't have enough hours in the day. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, not the great situation. So the big thing is to make sure that you're tracking that. If you're finding yourself underwater, you're like, Hey, I have so many different products, so many different inquiries. I'm projecting that like my numbers look like this at the end of the year. Um, the revenue does. And I, I feel like, you know, bottom line, if I look at my bottom line, look at my P and L, um, and I can, you know, hire someone to do some things on a part-time basis or whatnot, and I'll still be fine in the P and L stage. That might be good. And the vetting process from that is a whole other subject. Um, but you definitely want to have something that can be helpful that can pick up what you're doing and add value so that you kind of have that relief uh, on your, on your plate. Mm -hmm. And what benefits should a small business work towards providing for their employees? Because it's going to be expensive, but you also need to have benefits to get people to, you want to take care of your peeps. That, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I think, you know, the simple IRA is something that I advocate for. Um, so if you have a small business that has a hundred or fewer employees, it's a saving incentive match for employees. So small businesses are able to essentially, you know, do something that's less expensive and less complicated than the 401k and it's called a simple IRA. Um, and so, you know, employees can set up their simple IRA accounts. They can contribute a percentage of their, their, their you know, salary to it. 
and you as the employer um, can also contribute and match that up to a certain percentage or whatever percentage you kind of want um, uh, up to I guess 25% of the max uh, that they can do. Um, and so, you know, that could, that's a great, great tool. I think that, you know, for um, small business owners to look into obviously trying to do, you know, like I said, health benefits, that stuff that helps with retention and that helps with people, people keeping people engaged in there. Um, it's always not always like easy as far as cost, but you have to kind of work that into your model, see if it makes sense as you're growing, but it's a way to keep people incentivized. It's a way to keep people there. Um, so those are a couple of things that you want to look at if you're a small business owner as benefits. That's just some things I'm working on with, you know, a couple of my clients as well. So we're getting those things set up and I think it's a great, great value because, you know, everyone wants to save retirement and that match is essentially free money from the employer. And that's a great way to, you know, incentivize people that, Hey, I, I'm a small business, but I offer these things for employees. I like to take care of people. How, how do you create a profit and loss statement? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that makes sense. Mimi's face looks so funny. It's like she's never heard of that before. I've heard of it. I don't know what I'm talking about. Mimi, you are awesome. No, that's a good question. I think it's really easy with one, I think like wave apps and TurboTax, like wave apps for me, like has it kind of built in. You can really build it seamlessly into your whatever functionality you use for bookkeeping. So, I mean, but if you like, again, like you like to do stuff yourself, there's a bunch of emails or excuse me, spreadsheet templates that are out there that will create a profit and loss statement for you, or you can plug in the numbers. But the best way to do it is just do the QuickBooks or Wave or whatever you use for your, for your so right now for your kind of your bookkeeping, and it, it should spit out a P&L for you and a great way to chat, track, you know, your expenses versus your profit is through there. That sounds great. And what is the difference in profits and income? Yeah, great question. So that income is obviously obviously what you're getting in for the services you charge. So you're charging X, you know, that $100 for, you know, consulting services, for example, we'll say. Um, that's that income. It comes in. Um, the individual, the customer pays. Um, and then the profit, obviously, is, you know, what you have on the bottom line. So for that $100, you have to pay, you know, $25 for the trip out there to consult. You have to pay $25 for the meal that you sent out and that mm -hmm. you spent for sitting down together and talking about, you know, the plan. And then at the end of the day, you have 50 bucks left. Um, so that's your net income at the bottom line there. So that's your profit margin is at 50%. Um, that's something to keep in, in mind. Obviously we all, I think both of us here, you know, all three of us here, um, you know, have, you know, low, high profit margin um, kind of things that we do it mean being able to, you know, work from home and be a virtual planner, work with people in different states, people in different countries. Um, it's wonderful. And I love it. Honestly, I love it. I love being able to have that independence. And I think that's something to keep in mind for people, you know, with the difference between profits and income, you obviously want to have a lot of income, but you also want to make sure at the end of the day you have a lot of profit so you can pay yourself and pay for different things, save for retirement and do those sort of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, how can people have the lifestyle they want to live? So is it something where you would kind of determine, well, this is the income I need and then I need to do whatever I possibly can to make that happen. Like if you want, you just kind of goal yourself for a life. Do you want to be going on vacations? Like what level of coffees and, and luxury items do you want to be spending? How, how can you live the lifestyle that you want? Yeah, the big thing first, I actually work on this with my clients is you sit down and figure out what do they want, right? So you can't even get to that lifestyle until you figure out what do they want. So there's actually a, a software that I pay for my clients it's called Money Guide, and we go through and create that benchmark, that projecting of, you know, goals, whether it's, you know, I want to 
you know, say for the wedding, I want to go back to school. I want to buy a car. I want to be able to have, um, you know, healthcare during retirement. I want to retire at this certain age. So understanding what the lifestyle is that the individual or family wants, because that varies based on person to person. So, you know, Delia and maybe me, all three of us have different things that we want for our lifestyle. And, and so that's also very important to, to, to level set at the beginning. And so once you decide on it, you, yeah, you're right. You have to figure out, okay, what's the, how feasible are we to get these things? How feasible is it for us to do it? And that's based on looking at, okay, our personal balance sheet. What do we have currently? What is our savings? What does our checking look like? What does our retirement, what does our 401k look like? What does our IRA look like? How much of the goals can we fund in retirement based on what we, we have currently? And then we look at, you know, what are the action set plans if we're not close, but we have time on our side. Everyone that's alive today has time on their side. Um, and so we look at what are the things we can use with time, what are the tools we can employ, you know, whether it's saving, investing, getting a job that pays higher, getting something that is cutting more expensive. What are those things that we can employ to be able to fund these goals in the future? Um, and so that's a big thing for me is looking at this um, big breakdown for my clients and saying, okay, what do we want? What do we currently have? Given the time that we have, how do we get to this place? Um, and so to do that, you really have to dig deep. It's honestly like a, it's like a digging deep into yourself kind of exercise and to find out, can you do that? But, you know, it's basically do a lot of introspection, talking to your advisor and making sure that you're on the same page. But it's very possible. But, you know, it's not done without a lot of hard work, a lot of introspection. Um, and really, those are the kind of the main things that you got to do, you know, do the work. It, it, for the most part, it doesn't just happen for people. You have to do the work and be disciplined. And it does. It, it is very, very possible. That was a great answer. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other questions, baby? I don't think so. I think we've covered so much in such a short amount of time. Love it. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We really enjoyed talking to you and we wish your business the most success because hopefully everyone took a lot away from today. And then also yeah. if they want a more personalized approach, obviously they can contact you. So tell yes. us one more time about contacting you. Yes. So on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, um, Delano supports, that's D-E-L-A-N-O, last name, S-A-P is in Peter, O-R-U. And then, yeah, feel free to shoot me an email at Delano, my first name, at New Street, so N-E-W-S-T-R-E-E-T, advisorsgroup.com. Um, so the lot of new street advisors group.com. I love to answer any emails um, and just really do, you know, contact people. You know, I love, I love kind of really just talking to people about their plan. And so I'm welcome. I welcome any of that. That's wonderful. Yes. Well, thank you so much for all your tools, insights, and knowledge. And we will see you next time. The style defines us peeps. If you like what you heard, Tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.